What in the heck was that last possession in Boston last night? We've got to talk about Tobias Harris. Plus, Joel Embiid struggling on the offensive end, but Shake Milton and Seth Curry come up big, and we're dropping some NBA net knowledge after the absolute embarrassment that was two stoppages in play because of net issues. That's right now on Locked On Sixers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome into Locked On Sixers. I am your host, Serena Winters, former Sixers sideline reporter, serving up content to Sixers fans. You can follow, like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, at Serena Winters. We truly appreciate you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. Every day, we are free and available on all platforms, and we've got great sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility, so start now at shopify.com slash locked on NBA. Now let's get into the show. We have got to start with the ending of the Sixers loss to Boston. Oh my goodness. 6.1 seconds on the clock, Boston up one. George Niang inbounding. There's no point guard on the floor. Joel Embiid able to draw the switch down low as he screens for Tobias Harris. Horford switches on to Harris with Jalen Brown on Joel Embiid in the post. I repeat, Jalen Brown on Joel Embiid in the post. Niang gets the ball into Harris at the top of the three. And at this point, if you stop the game... You can see Seth Curry in the corner, literally motioning to get the ball into Embiid in the post. He's pointing with his hands. Get the ball in. Embiid, mismatch in the post. Instead, Tobias Harris dribbles out like 15 feet away from the three-point line. And at this point, There's 2.6 seconds left on the clock. He then drives back to the three-point line on the right side and finds George Niang with what looked like 0.4 seconds left on the shot clock. Meanwhile, Embiid is in the paint with Jalen Brown on him. I'll say this. And look, Niang... Releases the ball. Shot doesn't go in. End of the game. Sixers lose by a point. You can argue that play call all you want. But it was Harris dribbling out even farther from the basket and creating even more space between him and Embiid that really got me on that play. Attack! Attack! You've got to be better than that. You knew how much time was left on that clock. Doc, after the game, telling Gina Mizell 
of the Philadelphia Inquirer postgame, and I quote, That's two games in a row where I thought we were lackluster. Execution is really bad right now. I'm not concerned by it. We're going to get through it. We're just dropping games while we're getting through it. While we're on the subject of Harris, he had 11 shot attempts in that game. Went 4 of 11, finished with 8 points. And there were just a ton of times when Harris passed up wide open threes, especially in that second half, more than the first, for contested pull-ups. And look, this isn't anything new. I mean, the majority of Harris's shots are mid-range shots. 43% of them this year, to be exact, are mid-range shots. Only 23% are threes. And the rest of that 34% are all at the rim. And those are all from Cleaning the Glass, a great stats website that I subscribe to. And Harris did take more threes under Brett Brown. But for the record, when Harris played under Doc in L.A., close to 30% of his shots also came from the perimeter then. Look, I am not saying by any means that Tobias Harris shouldn't drive. I want him driving. That is not what I'm saying. I am just saying if you've got a wide open three or a contested pull-up jumper, take the open shot. And for the love of God, do not continuously dribble for 10 seconds into the paint and then kick it out to Joel Embiid or whoever else, whoever it is, on the perimeter with you know, 0.7 on the shot clock. There was just too many of those empty possessions tonight. Too many. And Seth Curry, to his credit, bailed the Sixers out of a lot of those situations. There were situations where... Harris put Curry in that position, but he nailed the shot. So credit to Curry, and we'll get to him later. But the clock management and floor awareness against Boston from Harris left a lot to be desired. Coming up, Joel Embiid has one of his worst offensive nights we've seen, but Shake Milton... He comes through. Let me tell you about Shopify. In case you don't know, Shopify is a complete commerce platform that lets you start, grow, and manage a business. The subscription-based software allows anyone to set up an online store and sell their products. Shopify store owners can also sell in physical locations using Shopify POS, their point-of-sale app, and accompanying hardware. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business, so upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now. Shopify.com slash locked on NBA. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? 
It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. I can tell you from personal experience, I had this happen with Sirius XM Radio. You look at your account and all of a sudden you see for months you've been paying for something that you didn't realize and it was more expensive than when it started. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thanks for making Locked On Sixers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So Boston opens up this game on a 16-4 run, and then Shake Milton comes in and drops 12 points in seven minutes in the first quarter. To put that in perspective, the entire rest of the Sixers team only had eight points in the first quarter. Milton had 12 by himself. And the Sixers somehow only trailed by four points at the half, despite the Sixers starters outside of Seth Curry, who we'll get to later on. He had another great game. Only shooting a combined three of 25 at the half. I mean, the Sixers were three of 15. That's 20% from deep from the perimeter at halftime. And the Sixers were only down four. The Sixers bench outscored the starters in the first half, 24-16. to 16. I mean, it was really Shake Milton, Seth Curry, and credit to the Sixers' defense that kept them so closely in reach at halftime despite their shots not falling. And the fact, by the way, that the Sixers only committed three turnovers didn't hurt either. Speaking of the Sixers' defense, Andre Drummond did a great job in Boston. He was in the right places, applying the right pressure, recovering quickly. And also, for all we are going to talk about Embiid's unfortunate offense, I mean, it's one of the worst offensive games I've seen from Embiid in recent memory. I would be remiss not to mention that Embiid's defense was huge in this game. But we've got to talk about the offense because Embiid could not hit from anywhere. I mean, he was one of nine, which is four points at halftime. He didn't make his first field goal until there was only 249 left in the first half. And look, I really felt like Joel Embiid was on the perimeter way too much, just settling for jumpers in this game. Now, what I don't know is if there was any part of that that was by design to preserve him right now, or maybe he's really struggling to come back from COVID. All I can tell you is that this team is at its best when Embiid is attacking the paint, not settling for jumpers and hanging out in the perimeter. But something else you might have noticed while watching that Boston game was Embiid shaking that shooting hand quite a bit. 
And I can tell you from covering the team and seeing Embiid's hand after games, I mean, he's always had problems with his hands. And there were times after games where I'd see Embiid's hand just completely swollen after it got banged up all night. So Joel was asked about it after the game, and this is what he had to say about it to Tim Bontemps of ESPN. And I quote, That's what happens when freedom has too much freedom. (laughs) Apparently Embiid had a uh, big smile on his face when saying that there. And freedom obviously referencing Enes Cantor changing his name to Enes Cantor Freedom. So freedom had too much freedom. Another good quote from Joel. Embiid said he got pretty hard hit pretty hard on the hand in the first quarter, and it was just bothering him afterward. And you guys might remember it was at the start of the 2020 year. Yeah, it was. I think it was January of 2020. He had surgery on his left hand for a torn ligament. So it's just something to keep an eye on, monitor a bit. His hands get beat up hard. Something else to monitor that I just came across a few minutes ago on Twitter that I did not recognize while watching the post-game interview with Jason Tatum on the NBC Sports Boston feed. (laughs) Jason Tatum had a solid game, 26 points, 16 rebounds. And if you look closely... On the subheading, when he is talking to Southern reporter Abby Chin, they don't just have the 26.16 rebounds. Right beneath that, they also have, as a little lower third, Jason Tatum is still Embiid's father. Mm. You know Embiid is going to see that. You know it. So I'm just telling y'all, next time the Sixers play Boston, better watch out for Joel Embiid. Because he will see that, and he will use that as fuel. Way to stay petty, NBC Sports Boston. (laughs) If you guys want to see it, it's... I think I found it on at Talkin underscore NBA on Twitter. And the NBA Central retweeted it. Bleacher Reports tweeted it now. But you can go ahead and check that out if you want. All right, coming up, from talking about Seth Curry to NetGate. That's right, NetGate. (laughs) We've got more from the Sixers' loss to Boston. But first, let me tell you, about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues the march to the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas. Casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Seth Curry, man. He can just shoot you out of bad possessions. I mean, how many times on Wednesday did he wind up with the ball as a shot clock was winding down and he just nails it? He was the Sixers' leading scorer with 17 points on 7 of 13 shooting, had 6 assists. And no, that was not a, a misread. The Sixers' leading scorer did only have 17 points. That is what happens when you can't hit shots and the final score of the game is 88 to 87. It's like I was watching a slug fest from the 80s. I mean, this game was slow. It's like you're watching these guys play through quicksand. I mean, so many times I was screaming at the TV after a Celtics miss because the Sixers are just lollygagging it up the floor. After a miss, get that rebound, run the floor. Run! Don't play to the Celtics' pace. Run your own. That was driving me crazy. But you know what was the most annoying part of this Sixers-Celtics game? The third quarter being delayed an extra five minutes because of a net issue that could not be completely fixed during halftime. And then you had a second delay when the net was once again completely replaced with 2.22 left in the third. But I was thinking, I'm not sure how many people are actually familiar with the rims the NBA uses. Because you might have been watching that and seeing this wire being strung through the rim. Like where the loops that I always had back on a hoop growing up that you actually put the net through. The NBA rims don't have those loops on the rim. Instead, they've got these hideaway net locks which looks sleek in design because you don't see those loops I was talking about. But they do take some extra maneuvering, which we all saw up close on Wednesday night because they had it on the feeds. And so, just for fun, I'm going to tell you a little bit about those. You basically feed what they call a net tie. So if you were watching on TV and saw that wire-looking thing, right? And when they took the net off, they took the whole wire off. And then when they put the new net on, they string that wire through. That's the net tie. So you feed that net tie into the rim while then placing each loop of the net into these little openings as you feed the net tie in. So that's what they were doing. And then on that last net loop, you've got to feed the net tie in the opposite direction, which then locks it up. Now, I'm no professional net installer, that's for sure, but it looked to me like there was some issue with that last net loop and locking it in. But hey, that is really the extent of my NBA net knowledge I can drop on you for today. (laughs) That's about it. You know, Tyrese Maxey, this game, we saw some of the same struggles that we saw in the prior game. He's different when Joel Embiid's on the floor and different when he's not. Like I said, understandable it's going to take time. But 
I could definitely see the hesitation again against Boston. And also going back to what I had mentioned with this slow pace of play that we saw, especially after the the, uh, Celtics misses when you really want to be running after getting the rebound. I was surprised by the hesitation with Maxi there and kind of slowing it down. I would like to see him push it a little more. And we didn't see really any improvement with the Maxi and Bede flow tonight. But again, I'm not surprised by it. That's just, it's going to take time. Matisse Thibel tonight did some good things again defensively. But having him on the floor again, I mean, he did knock down a good corner three. But you can still see when he's in the game with Joel, it's tough because offensively, Boston just immediately sags off him. And you can't have that in a lineup with Joel. So that might be something we look into a bit more on one of these podcasts coming up. Kind of Matisse Thibault, what he can give you defensively, but then what the offensive number shows and maybe the best way to use them. I'll look into use him. We'll look into some of that. All right, tomorrow we've got Brad Rowland who covers the Atlanta Hawks for Locked On Hawks on to talk about the Atlanta team who currently sits a game ahead of the Sixers in the Eastern Conference standings. And look, it's certainly been an interesting year for Trey Young, to say the least, and the Hawks. So I'm looking forward to getting caught up to speed before the Sixers take on the Hawks on Friday night. We're also going to open up the mailbag. I've already got some great questions. And if you have more, please find me on Twitter at Serena Winters or Instagram at Serena underscore Winters, and I'll do my best to answer. Thanks so much for making Locked On Sixers your first listen every day. Now go ahead and make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. As for us, you know the deal. I'll see you tomorrow.